welcome to Addiction in Simple Terms. My name is Dr. Julian Keats. I'm a specialist in addiction medicine with over 10 years experience assessing and treating drug and alcohol related problems. In this podcast, I explain some of the important ideas in addiction to help you make sense of your experiences and hopefully make some changes for the better in your life. This is episode four in a series. In episode one, I spoke about how addiction works in the brain. In episode two, I covered how addiction, dependence and substance use disorders are diagnosed. In episode three, I explored why people use drugs and looked at some of the reasons they give for their drug use and the factors that influence initial experimentation. In this episode, I'm going to look at the shift from experimentation to ongoing drug use and discuss the development of withdrawal symptoms. To keep things simple, I'm going to use the catch-all phrase, drugs. But when I use that term, please know that I'm referring to all drugs of addiction, whether they be legal, like alcohol and tobacco, illegal, like cannabis, methamphetamine, cocaine and heroin, or prescription drugs, such as Oxycontin, Valium or Xanax. Let's make a start. There are many reasons why different people use different drugs. The decision to use is a result of the things that go on around a person and the things that go on inside a person. Factors such as drug availability, how acceptable drug use is in your social circle or community, and individual factors like personality and the experience of emotional trauma, mental illness or chronic pain can all play a role in someone experimenting with drugs initially. And in a lot of cases, that's where it stops, at experimentation. Not everyone who experiments goes on to regular use or addiction. It's not uncommon for a person to experiment with a few different drugs and then never touch some again while going on to use one or others regularly. In Australian society, and I think much of Western society, alcohol is an example of a drug that a lot of people experiment with, especially in their youth partly influenced by its wide availability and it being seen generally as a socially acceptable thing to try. Some people decide pretty quickly it's not for them, but many people will continue to use alcohol throughout their life in some sort of repeated way, whether that be rare or occasional use, regularly or frequently. Now, those factors I mentioned a second ago as influencing experimentation drug availability, social acceptability and individual factors, they're still there in the background when someone moves to ongoing use. They don't just switch off. But once you've started experimenting and have some personal experience of your own, there are also other things to consider. There are various desirable effects the drug use may have, which you might see as the good things, at least initially. It's easy to see how these effects might encourage ongoing use. And, it has to be said, drug use can also, at least initially, provide relief from unpleasant experiences by blocking out bad things in life. Right off the bat, that doesn't sound like necessarily the best reason for ongoing use, but I think it's understandable how this happens. Let's delve into those desirable effects that might encourage ongoing drug use. I need to begin this part with a disclaimer to cover myself. When I use the term desirable effects or 
good things about drug use. I'm using it because that's how they might appear, at least initially, from the perspective of the user. I'm not saying drugs are good or promoting their use in any way. Obviously, the most certain way to avoid ever having any drug-related problems is to never use any drugs at all. And these things I call desirable effects or good things can often turn out to be troublesome side effects when use is frequent or heavy or viewed from another perspective, especially retrospect. But for ease of understanding in my little 15-minute podcast, I'm going to call them desirable effects. So what are they? Well, the first desirable effect is to experience pleasure or enjoyment, sometimes called euphoria. Other terms are to get a high or a buzz or for the rush. This is largely related to the fact that all drugs of addiction cause release of the chemical dopamine in a part of the brain involved in pleasure or reward. This tends to be most pronounced early in a person's drug use. With repeated frequent use, the brain's pleasure response tends to become numbed to the effects of dopamine, so that there's less sheer pleasure experienced, even though drug use behaviour is still reinforced. This is why some people who use frequently or heavily may say that they don't even really get a high or enjoy it anymore, even though they keep using. Another desirable effect may be analgesia, the relief of pain, or at least the numbing of pain. The opioids in particular, such as heroin, morphine, oxycontin or codeine, work on parts of the nervous system involved in pain to provide pain relief, although they tend to work better for what we call acute pain, such as a broken arm or a dental procedure, and they're not so effective for chronic pain. Other drugs, like alcohol, cannabis and some of the others, don't work as directly on pain pathways, but may help to numb or distract from pain by reducing awareness of it or decreasing the associated distress. Some people use drugs to change their level of alertness. They may use depressant drugs like alcohol, cannabis, opioids or the anti-anxiety and sleeping tablets Valium and Xanax to slow down and relax or in larger doses to go to sleep. Or they may use stimulant drugs like cocaine, amphetamines, ecstasy or MDMA to increase alertness. For example, if they want to stay up all night dancing and partying, or if they're students studying long hours for an exam, or long distance truck drivers. Now remember, I've already said I'm not promoting drug use. I don't think that taking mind-altering drugs to drive heavy vehicles long distances is a good idea, but some people see this as a desirable effect. Moving right along, sometimes the desired effect is altered sensations or altered consciousness. Some drugs, like ecstasy or MDMA, can make everything feel profound and deep and meaningful, like you're more connected to the world and to other people. Some drugs affect vision and hearing in a way that makes sights and sounds more vivid and interesting and heightens appreciation of music or art. Some drugs lower social inhibitions, making people more chatty and talkative and more comfortable socialising. And some drugs can affect your sex drive or libido, maybe increasing your appetite for sexual contacts. Drugs can also affect appetite. Someone who's trying to diet or lose weight, maybe to look good or maybe to make a weight class in a sport where that matters, like horse racing or boxing, may find the effects of amphetamines useful because they suppress appetite. On the other hand, someone who wants to increase their appetite, 
such as if they've lost weight from cancer or HIV wasting disease, may choose to use cannabis. Or you might just be a foodie who likes to smoke a joint before going out to a restaurant for a nice meal. As you can see, there are a number of effects that some people in some situations may see as desirable. These so-called desirable effects are not without their trade-offs in terms of risks and harms, and in some situations may become troublesome side effects rather than desirable. But I hope you've gained a little understanding of how they could lead some people to move from experimenting to ongoing use once they've stumbled upon them. Now we're going to look at the other side of the coin, which is how the relief that drug use might bring from unpleasant experiences can also encourage ongoing use. Drug use, for better or for worse, can be a way to cope with or to block out and escape some of the bad things in our lives. The effect is only temporary, and it rarely solves any of those bad situations. In fact, avoiding the difficulties in life by using drugs can tend to make things worse in the long run, because it gets in the way of finding better ways to deal with things, and drug use brings with it its own set of problems that can very easily compound the situation. Nonetheless, this temporary relief is something that can encourage ongoing drug use, and so let's consider some of these issues. Boredom is one such issue. The feeling that there's nothing much else to do of interest, or that doing something is better than doing nothing, may lead you to choose drug use as a way to pass the time and maybe find a little excitement, pleasure or escape in the high. Boredom may, to some degree, be in the eye of the beholder. In reality, there's probably various ways to fill the time or keep yourself occupied, but none of them spark your interest at the time. I guess related to boredom is lack of opportunity. If there's lots of opportunity to find enjoyment, excitement or meaningful engagement in other worthwhile activities, then drugs may not hold much attraction. But if limited education, unemployment, financial hardship, transport problems and the like mean your choice of other activities is restricted while drugs are within reach, then some people are going to reach for them and probably reach for them more often. And it might not even be as complex as that. Maybe it's winter outside and you're snowed in for a week with no television reception or phone signal and the fully stocked liquor cabinet seems like the only real outlet. The next issue that might encourage ongoing drug use is to deal with difficult feelings and emotions. This is probably really a whole bunch of issues and might include anything from shyness to anxiety and depression to post-traumatic stress disorder and emotional scars from childhood neglect or abuse, and a whole list of other things too long to go through here. But suffice to say, much like numbing oneself to physical pain, it can be easy to settle into a pattern of regular drug use to also numb or escape psychological pain. Social isolation is another factor. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're all alone and lonely, with no healthy relationships and no people to attach to, then sometimes you'll make an attachment to your drug use. This is where the phrase about alcohol being a friend in a bottle comes from. Alternatively, you might not actually be that interested in the drug, but find that by using drugs, you can fall in with a crowd and be part of a group or a gang and in that way avoid the unhappiness of isolation. And finally, I want to mention withdrawal symptoms, because they're another unpleasant experience that can encourage ongoing drug use. Strictly speaking, they don't shift someone from experimental use to ongoing use, 
because you don't get withdrawal symptoms from experimenting just a few times or occasionally. Withdrawals occur when you've been using frequently or regularly and the nervous system is adapted to having the drug on board. Then when the drug use stops suddenly, these adaptations are still present and can take days or weeks to resolve. It's these unopposed adaptations that produce withdrawal symptoms. But because withdrawal symptoms are uncomfortable and unpleasant, there's a temptation to continue drug use to avoid them or to return to drug use to relieve them. So to recap the unpleasant experiences that we've discussed, they were boredom, lack of opportunity, difficult feelings and emotions, social isolation and withdrawals. In the next section, I'm going to talk a little bit more about withdrawals and the related phenomenon of tolerance before we finish up. A useful way to understand tolerance and withdrawals is by using the analogy of a seesaw type balance. When you use drugs, the changes they produce disrupt the body's natural inclination to stay in balance. It's like putting one person on one side of the seesaw. With repeated frequent use, the body slowly makes adaptations to its physiology to accommodate those changes the drug's producing. In time, these adaptations work to restore the body's balance, and we call this tolerance. It's like putting someone on the other side of the seesaw to balance it up. Now, when drug use is suddenly stopped, it's like taking the first person off the seesaw. And those adaptations themselves disrupt the body's normal balance. We call the symptoms produced by this disruption withdrawals. Over time and with sustained abstinence, usually of a few days or weeks in most cases, these physiological adaptations will gradually disappear. That's like the second person getting off the seesaw and the seesaw goes back into balance. Now the withdrawal symptoms produced by a drug are in some sense opposite to those of the drug itself. So drugs that produce sedation lead to adaptations in the body to promote wakefulness. When the sedating drug is stopped, this now unopposed wakefulness is experienced as a withdrawal symptom, such as insomnia. Drugs that decrease pain, such as opioids, will, in withdrawals, cause increased pain sensitivity. Drugs that elevate mood, like ecstasy, when you're in withdrawals, produce depressed mood. The stimulants make you active and energetic as one of their effects. But when you go into stimulant withdrawal, you feel tired and fatigued. Cannabis makes most people feel calm and relaxed. But cannabis withdrawals make people feel restless and irritable. And drugs such as Valium or Xanax reduce anxiety. But when you go into withdrawals from these drugs, you have an increase in your anxiety. Well, I reckon that's just about enough for today's episode. Hopefully you've learnt something about ongoing drug use and a little bit about tolerance and withdrawals. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about the cycle of addiction. Please join me next time for episode five of Addiction in Simple Terms.